Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. We're back and better than ever. A new web interface for the start of the basketball season and more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. Head to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code Believe 50 to receive your bonus. That's B-L-E-A-V 50 from basketball, football, baseball, postseason, NHL, boxing, and UFC right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all of your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. Welcome to the Believe in 76ers podcast. I'm Justin Grasso. And I'm Kevin McCormick. And this is a podcast dedicated to covering the Philadelphia 76ers on the Believe Podcast Network. Kev, we are four games into the Sixers regular season. They kicked off the season last Wednesday against the Pelicans, beat down in New Orleans. Uh, Friday, they dropped a game against the Brooklyn Nets. Sunday, they came back, went to Oklahoma City, had a nice little win there, and then got beat up by the Knicks in New York. What are your first impressions of the team so far? I would say there's a lot to like and dislike. Um, I would say outside of the Knicks game, they've done pretty well without Ben Simmons in terms of filling the void he's left kind of by committee. The bench unit looks phenomenal. Uh, Embiid looked great up until New York, but all around, I, I'd i say growing pains is the biggest takeaway, but that's expected just because of, you know, you're trying to replace an all-star talent. But all in all, a lot of positives but still still a handful of negatives, I'll say. Yeah, we talked about it a lot, about how, you know, the season's going to be odd when it starts because obviously you don't have Ben Simmons. Even though he returned, it was always expected that he wasn't going to play right off the bat. Um, and then, obviously, Shake Milton's absence. I know a lot of people didn't really like what he brought to the table towards the end of last season, but, I mean, they're rolling with Furkan Korkmaz as a backup point guard right now. And... I mean, that's not sustainable, but let's give credit to Ferk. I think he's actually played pretty well for, you know, being out of position there. And then, like you said, with, with Joel, he hasn't had that MVP caliber campaign start to the year. But, I mean, all around, really, he's looked pretty solid. Uh, Doc Rivers called him Tom Brady. But first he wanted to say Aaron Rodgers, then he switched and went to Tom Brady because, you know, his passing obviously looked solid. And then you get to – the New York game, and listen, it, it was just one of those nights. I already see, like, should the Sixers start over and trade Ben, maybe trade Joel. Like, come on, guys. It's four games into the season. Um, and I get it. They were the first seed last year. And, uh, you know, they come into this year, they start 2-2, two and two, obviously didn't have the hottest start. But what do you what do you think the Sixers look like in comparison to last season? I would say there's some similarities. I would just say the major difference is this. Well, through these four games, we're kind of seeing an offense fully catered to Joel Embiid. And for the most part, it's been rather successful. Like you said, I think the New York game was a bit fluky. It was just one of those nights for New York. 
they couldn't miss from three for three quarters. And when you can't either stop the bleeding or combat from deep, I mean, obviously it's going to be a rough night for you. But, yeah, just seeing everything fully centered around Embiid and letting him kind of be the superstar guy who, like you said, he's not really, I wouldn't say, at that MVP level yet. But his ability to be this, like, Swiss Army Knife guy to start the season, I would say, is one of the biggest surprises. Like, he's still doing well scoring the ball, rebounding. We're seeing a lot more defensively, the steals, the blocks. It's really everything on both ends is running through Joel Embiid. And I would say that for the most part, it's been rather fun to watch. Yeah. And even when you think about it, um, because I mean, if you look at the schedule, how it played out, they played, they beat the Pelicans and the Thunder, obviously two teams that most likely aren't going to make the playoffs this year. And then the two losses come against the Nets and the Knicks, who are two teams that will make the playoffs this year. So it doesn't look great right away. It looks like, okay, they beat up on bad teams and then they lose to good teams. But I mean, if you even really think about it, Brooklyn, they played well really until the last, what, five minutes of the game. And obviously that's unfortunate, but you played Brooklyn well without one of your all-stars. And, you know, even if you have Ben Simmons in there, I mean, the Sixers still had those issues last year with Ben Simmons in the lineup. So it's, Mm -hmm. it really you played really well up until the fourth quarter of the Brooklyn game. And then you obviously didn't play against didn't play good against New York at all. So in comparison to last year, obviously last year's team was better. That's obvious because your three-time all-star Ben Simmons was in the mix right now. He's not in the mix. Um, he addressed the team. I mean, we haven't really spoke about this on here at all in like two weeks. So we have a lot of catching up to do. It started out Sunday. <laughs> he returned to practice. Obviously, both you and I, we haven't even spoken since I've, I've been back in the facility. So I'm back at the practice facility. Both you and I were there. Uh, was that last Sunday? I think it was. It feels so long ago, but I think it was literally a week ago. Uh, what? When he not, was... Not this past Sunday. The Sunday before that was when he first returned to practice. That was his oh, first yeah. practice with yeah. the team. Uh, he didn't speak, obviously we didn't even see him that day. He was, by the time we got in there, he's gone. Like he was out Monday came around. Uh, we saw a little bit at the end of practice there. He was pretty disengaged, not really talking to anybody, just dribbling a ball by himself. As soon as practice ended, he was out, didn't speak. Tuesday was the big day, uh, huge media presence in Camden and we're standing there and, I, like I told you, I had a gut feeling it's not going to happen. He's going to get out of it. He's, I thought he wasn't going to show up to practice. Instead, he got kicked out of practice and then got that one-game suspension. So it's been a circus for the Ben Simmons saga up until Friday, really, when he finally addressed the team, finally talked to the guys. And on Friday night when they faced Brooklyn, obviously everyone said things are moving in a positive direction, but he's still not mentally ready to play. And we haven't seen Ben Simmons play for the Sixers yet. And while, you know, some people may say that this is still a mess and that you'd still trade him right now, I'd say as crazy as things have been, I mean, dating back all the way to the beginning of the summer, it really is starting to feel like things are trending positively for the first time in months. You know, even though Ben spoke to the team and said that he's still not prepared to take the court, at least he's finally starting to open up and, you know, he's finally starting to realize. And it's good on both ends because the Sixers are going to need him if they want to remain competitive. I think the New York game 
was extremely apparent of that. I think that was the first game where they truly missed him on the floor. And just even if he still wants to be traded, he's going to have to take the floor if he wants that. So it's just one of those him finally starting to realize how this is all going to work. And it's one of those, you know, help me help you kind of things where if Ben Simmons takes the floor, it makes Daryl Morey's job a little easier of getting him that change of scenery if it's still what he truly wants. Yeah, and that's what made the whole situation kind of weird from Ben's standpoint because, first of all, I and I keep saying this because obviously it looks like he has a list of things that he's going to try out, and now he's just reached the I'm not mentally ready to play stage. I got to be honest. I think that was the case all along. I think he just really is going to struggle to face the Philadelphia crowd with the way everything went down. I feel like he feels he disappointed everybody. And, you know, we talked about it a lot with last season. He always said something about confidence, mental, all of that. Like even before, you know, some personal things off the court went down he would always kind of hit there that like his mentality is kind of not at, you know, it's peak and his confidence just isn't there. So I believe that was the case all along. He's not mentally ready to play. It's just unfortunate. It seems like he got some bad advice from his reps and they said, you know, well do this and then do that. When in all reality, all along, if he would have just said, I'm not mentally ready to come back and play. I think he'd have more supporters, really than he did after game seven, but I'm not sure why they kind of took this approach. And it it also needs to be said that when you talk about supporters, it feels like the team has done nothing but continue to support him through, through this entire thing. I mean, these are guys that could easily be offended or, you know, be disgruntled towards Ben because of the way he's carried himself. But when you hear Doc Rivers talk, when you hear Joel Embiid talk, when you hear Tobias Harris talk, all these guys continue to embrace him with open arms. You know, Joel came out before the Brooklyn game and said that we still need to support Ben Simmons because he's still our teammate and our brother. Tobias Harris uh, had that long message on Twitter about supporting Ben through this tough time. And I really think it is a tough time for him mentally, because if you think about it, this is a guy in Ben Simmons who, you know, he had the next LeBron tag. He's been an elite talent all his life. And the Atlanta series might be the first time in his basketball career, his basketball life, that he really truly fell short. And I think that doing that on such a national stage and it being talked about incessantly all summer and, you know, just all of that outlying factor adding on to that truly might have done some damage to him between the years. So, I mean, credit to him for opening up and saying that he, he's not mentally ready and hopefully he does, you know, be able to work through all this. Gut feeling, do you think Ben Simmons plays for the Sixers again? I, I'd say there's still a tiny reality in my mind that he does take the floor. I still think in the end he's going to be traded, but I, I think I've shifted to the camp to where he'll play in a game before that happens. So How many play, games it is? Get traded is what you think. I, I think so. I think if you know, he, just because he has to, it, the value has to be recouped, even if it's you know, it might not be this astronomical value to where you could trade him for a James Harden again, but just any sort of value that 
can get the taste of game seven out of GMs and people around the mouth. And people can be reminded of just the, the special talent that he can be and be reminded that he's a 25 year old in the prime heading into his prime years, like you're a perennial defensive player of the year candidate, like all of that needs to be refreshed in people's brains. So before a trade happens, I do think he needs to take the court. When Ben Simmons came into the league, he was the number one pick, obviously he got a lot from the Sixers. Like he, he could do whatever he wants you know, whenever, it doesn't matter, up until this point. Now, obviously, Daryl Morey played some hardball with him. At this point, they stopped finding him. They're helping him, you know, get the resources he needs. Ben Simmons owes the Sixers. I think he owes the Sixers to go out there and drive his value up a little bit. If you want to trade, if you don't want to play for the Sixers, then there needs to be a reality where he takes the floor again. Because like I said, they've given him everything, like, they didn't have to give him that contract in 2019. So I, I don't understand this whole, oh, they're threatening to keep him for four years. They shouldn't do that. Listen, you signed a contract, man. Like, it, should we just get rid of contracts then? Should everything be on a year-by-year basis? This is fully guaranteed money we're talking about. At the end of the day, this is a business. Do I feel for Ben Simmons? Absolutely. If he's really got something going on, I absolutely feel for him. But that whole narrative that he or him and Rich Paul, whoever put that out there to Brian Winhurst saying it's not his job to drive up, you know, the value. Listen, if you want that trade, you have to go out there and play for them. I think he at least owes them that he owes them to go out there and play some games for them to help them help him. I agree to that. And I also think that he himself is starting to realize that maybe that's why we have a breakthrough like we heard about uh, on Friday before the Brooklyn game that he's finally starting to address the team. Maybe now that he's be- – it's pretty much like uh, Daryl Moore and Doc Rivers talked about uh, during media day that their goal has been they just want to get him in-house. They feel like that if they got him to Philly that it could start to be like the building blocks of repairing this to – at least a serviceable degree. I, I don't think anything will ever be, you know, perfectly hunky dory again, like it was in the past, but I think there is a middle ground here for both sides to where Ben Simmons is, is on the floor playing in games and Daryl Morey continues to wait for a proper trade and give him that, that change of scenery that he wants. Side note, isn't it always funny how Doc Rivers talks about how much experience he has with broken locker rooms? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like what what a weird like thing to kind of brag about like you said i, I, mean, I see it all the time and it's yeah. like why <laughs> why do you see that all the time i mean let's not forget he was the coach in la during that yeah. whole deandre jordan thing where chris paul like blake griffin and, and jj reddick like locked themselves in deandre jordan's house <laughs> to keep lob city together and then they all left but yeah. still, it's just, it's just so funny hearing that where it's like guys I, i've seen this so many I, times I don't think like it's definitely a weird flex, but I, I think it's more of he's just trying to explain that situations like this might be a little more common than people uh, might see that this is just one of those rare scenarios where everything's just been out in the public eye. Yeah, I mean, I get I get the approach he's trying to take, but at a point it's like, <laughs> man, you're like walking a fine line here. Like you're you're just parading around that you've been in multiple locker rooms as the head coach with turmoil. And that does not make people feel better. But my gut feeling with that is I do think that Ben Simmons eventually has to throw on the uniform unless really, unless there's a situation where a team starts slow and they say, you know what, let's shake it up. So Portland is one. 
Um, Chicago is not one. <laughs> there is uh, there is a, a chance where Zach Levine maybe. Chicago yeah. looks pretty pretty no. good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Cross them and off then, the list. Yeah, and then there's I guess Sac- Sacramento. I don't think Sacramento is really going to move De'Aaron Fox regardless. Because really, in all reality, when Sacramento had interest in Ben Simmons, it was like you take Buddy Heald or nothing. So yeah. take Buddy Heald and Marvin Bla- and Bagley, Bagley, who's not even yeah. A, yeah, who's not even in their rotation right yeah, now. Like, so it's like, come on, guys. Sacramento the, clearly isn't that high on Ben Simmons. The Kings are are sick of getting fleeced, so now they're trying to just sell off the bare minimum. They they want to do the fleecing now. They think that karma owes them or something. Yeah, right. Good luck with that. So there's. Unless there's a team that really starts that bad. And like you mentioned Portland and Dame Lillard is still like completely out of his mind. Like, I believe that we're championship contenders. Listen, man. Also, can we talk about it's been we're three to four games into the regular season. And I see people on Twitter posting about like Dame posting a career low in points per game right now. And that, you know, this could be the, the straw that breaks the camel's back. Can we not talk about three-game sample sizes? They mean absolutely nothing. Because if you look about it, Joel Embiid is also averaging a, a career low in points per game right now, and nobody's talking about it. So, I mean, if we're talking these small sample sizes, then Furkan Korkmaz is going to be sixth man of the year oh, yeah. because his stats are, like, doubling right now, and Damian Lillard is going to, like, request it. Like, the first couple weeks of the season mean nothing. All this stuff, all this talk of you know teams stumbling out of the gate doesn't get real until like closer to Christmas. That's yeah. when you get the real the real view. The NBA season is a marathon, not a sprint. We cannot you know take so much from these just incredibly small sample sizes. Twitter also told me that James Harden is completely washed too. Yeah, because he's averaging like seventeen, like eight and nine. Like what? What? <laughs> we will still take that. What are we talking about here? Yeah, small sample sizes. I truly, I don't get it. Yeah, it's it's odd, and like you said, it it all goes back to however teams start. You know, kind of circling back to the Ben Simmons thing. However teams start could change that, but there is a reality where Ben Simmons might have to suit up for the Sixers. Show like, listen, I'm still a playmaker. I still, you know, have great vision. I still can pass the ball. Hopefully he takes care of the ball a little bit uh, more than usual. And then there's a reality where the Sixers can say, all right, now we have some, some trade offers that we like and, you know, everybody can be happy again. But right now, Philadelphia isn't that happy because they're off to a two and two start. They beat good teams or they beat bad teams, losing the good teams. And Joel Embiid, like you say, is averaging career low in points per game. Maybe he's trying to do too much. I don't know, Um, but his knee's bothering him. And I think that that is the biggest pet peeve of Philly fans when it comes to Joel Embiid is that the guy is not going to be fully healthy maybe ever, which, you know, still played on a torn meniscus in the playoffs, looks solid. So the guy can play more than solid. Yeah, the guy can play on an injury. The issue is you're four games into the season and he's been questionable for every single game except for the opener. So Joel Embiid has a sore knee. Should he sit out tonight? They play the Pistons. Do you think that it's time to kind of say like, Hey, listen, this guy's got to take a break. So I'm going to preface this by saying that I, I applaud Joel Embiid for his efforts. I think that there's a lot of behind the scenes factors that are going into him being trotted out every night. 
And it's great to see him from a leadership aspect, want to power through things and be there and kind of be the staple on both ends for the team. But the long view always needs to be kept in mind. Looking at that New York game, body language wise, like box score wise, he did not look good. I get, you know, New York is a more physical team and they have some size that they can throw at him, but he looked visibly uncomfortable. You know, then Ramona Shelbourne said on ESPN that after the New Orleans game, he wasn't able to walk for two days. I don't know how much of that I buy, but it's clear he's not 100% physically. And I think that even though it's early on in the regular season, even though there's no Ben Simmons, like you still need to properly manage this guy because if he's not a, if he's not as close to 100% healthy as he possibly can be heading into the postseason, then the Sixers' chances of competing for a title are not maximized. Yeah, and expanding on that quote too, because I know that that was the one that kind of went around Twitter where it was like he couldn't walk for two days. But she also said that, um, you know, he's playing because Ben Simmons isn't playing and the Sixers obviously need a star in there. And like you say, I applaud Joel Embiid. He's trying to step up. He's trying to be that guy that puts the team on his back. But listen, this team can make it to the playoffs. The seeding, we already talked about that. The seeding does not matter that much at this point. Like you got the first seed last year. You did nothing more than you did in previous years. So at this point, get that guy to the playoffs healthy because that's all that matters. And if you are four games in, and you're pushing through the pain and you're talking about, I don't want to use my knee as an excuse. That's a clear cut sign that Joel Embiid should probably take a day off or two because it's just not, it's not worth it in the end. Yeah. Even if it's just one game and obviously the Ben Simmons thing might be the biggest factor, but uh, I actually wrote about this in an article for clutch points. I think that the, the MVP scenario last year is another thing that still might sit in the back of his mind because you know, if Joel Embiid doesn't miss X amount of games last year, even though majority of his games last year were missed to protocol, I think that whole narrative was completely misstrewed. But, you know, the missed games were the thing that cost him that MVP trophy. And I think stuff like that sits in the back of his head heading into this season to where, you know, even if his knee's a little sore, he might, you know, try and trot out to hit that, that game's number to where he can keep himself in that conversation. Yeah, and I think – like, I, I get it. You want personal accolades and all that. I think it's kind of disappointing that that's where his head might be at. And I get it. Every player wants to obviously play at the highest level and earn as many, you know, awards as you can as possible. But it's just the reason why it's disappointing is because Joel talks a good game when he says, you know, I just want to win games. I just want to win championships. It's about the team. And he said it plenty of times this year. Like, it's all about the team. It's all about the team. But then there's that in the back of his head where it's like, well, I need to go out there and, you know, hit these numbers to try and, you know, be back in that MVP conversation. But in all reality, he's not helping anybody out here because one, he might not be there for his team when they actually need him the most later on down the line because he's trying to push through and play these games. And he's not helping himself out because like I just said earlier, he's not off to an MVP start. There's, you know, no one's going to be like, well, you know, okay, he didn't have a spectacular game, but he did a lot of good things that didn't show up on the stat sheet. It's not how the MVP works. Your numbers got to pop out. Like, that's that's just the way the game is. Yeah, it's, it's tough, and this really is hitting the debate of is Embiid playing every game doing more harm than good? I think that's really what it comes down to. If 
if you're trying to push his limits, you know, four games into the season, what's he going to look like come March? Like th- that's th- the biggest thing you need. It has always been the goal to get Joel Embiid to the playoffs healthy, especially now when you have a guy like Andre Drummond, who is still a starting caliber center in this league. He is a guy that could fill in easily for Embiid to be properly load managed throughout the year. And it's something they've yet to take advantage of. Yeah. I think tonight is the first big test as to where this is headed because you're playing Detroit who they won't have Cade Cunningham. Um, Sadly. Yeah. Yeah. That would have been awesome (laughs) to see. Uh, Jeremy Grant might not play. So like, this is a bad team that's already missing key players. And not so, on national TV. Yeah, so it's like you don't need to play Joel Embiid tonight. I think a Tobias Harris-led Sixers team should be able to handle the Detroit Pistons that are shorthanded. But if Joel Embiid plays, it's almost like – because I think – and this is based on some stuff that I heard too, that it's really up to him ultimately. Like if there's no – like clear cut injury, it's up to him to say like, I can play through this or not. Like, it's not like the medical staff's saying, no, you're not going to play. It's really just, you know, go through warmups, go through shoot around. How's your knee feel? If you feel good play, if you don't sit down, it's all good, whatever you want to do. So it almost comes down to if Joel Embiid trots out there and plays to against the Detroit Pistons, shorthanded Detroit Pistons on Thursday night, it's a really bad look for both him and the Sixers. Yeah, it's definitely one of those situations where the team might have to debate uh, protecting the player from themselves. And you talk about Tobias Harris-led lineups. Can we talk about Tobias Harris for a little bit? He actually has been off to a very impressive start to the season. Almost had a triple-double against the Knicks. He's continued to play rather well in my eyes, and yet Twitter is still begging for him to be traded. And while I don't know how I feel about saying, you know, him being a a true number one at times where you sit and beat, but – if you look back to the L.A. Clipper days, that was pretty much – he was the number one guy, and they pretty much had a loaded bench, and they were a more than competitive team. And I think you could say the same about the Sixers squad right now. With, you know, Tobias Harris being the main guy in the starting lineup, you have Seth Curry, you still have Danny Green, and you have a very nice bench unit with DeAndre Drummond. Georges Niang has been absolutely amazing, extremely drastic upgrade over Mike Scott. So even if it's just – a Thursday night in October against the Detroit Pistons. I think that kind of group could remain competitive against some of the weaker teams in the NBA to give Embiid a night off when needed. Yeah. The Tobias Harris uh, hate is very strange and I get it. Like the contract, it's always about the contract. Listen, I don't know how many times I got to get up. 90% of the NBA is overpaid. Exactly. That was what the market was offering. That year, there was very key free agents that didn't give Philadelphia the time of day. You go down the list. It was like Kawhi Leonard didn't even was going to L.A. regardless, whichever team he went to. Yeah. Uh, Kevin Durant was going to Brooklyn, clearly had a sight set on that. Kyrie Irving was following Kevin Durant. So you Thank go God. down the list <laughs> and then you get to the next best player, Tobias Harris. Tobias Harris, no matter where he was going, was getting that contract. Wait, wasn't Jimmy Butler a free agent that season too? Uh, yes, but <laughs> but we all know he wasn't coming back to Philadelphia. So that's my point. He he, yeah. and he admitted that himself too. That's not me just saying like based off of he wasn't coming back to Philadelphia because he didn't like Brett Brown. Something happened up top with management that he didn't like. He heard something about can he be controlled and all that like. 
he considered it, didn't want to do it. You have to get rid of him. You do it through sign and trade. You get Josh Richardson, who you think is going to be good, but we're not going down. I don't want to go down that rabbit yeah. hole. <laughs> Either way, Tobias Harris, his market value was going to be max contract. Are the Sixers a better team without him? No, they're not. So you signed Tobias Harris to a max contract. It is what it is. I get it. Is he overpaid? Probably, yeah. Yes. But at the same time, he's just quietly solid. I always laugh when people on Twitter are like, when did Tobias Harris score 22 points and get yeah. 10 rebounds? And it's like, exactly. Like, he's just quietly solid. Like, I get it. He's not this superstar that's like, you know, just out there and everybody knows who yeah. he is. But quietly solid. What is wrong with that? Right. He's the perfect, quote unquote, you know, third star in my eyes. Exactly. And- yeah, people complain that there's no flash to it. I think that's amazing that you have this guy who could do a little bit of everything for you, is shooting the ball still rather efficiently, similar to last season. I mean, almost got a, a triple-double and nobody even noticed. Like Stuff like that, that's very underrated in this league. And it's just, yeah, I'm so sick of hearing about the contract. Like The same people who scream that Tobias Harris is extremely overpaid were the people in the summer who wanted to trade Ben Simmons for John Wall who is getting paid like north of $40 million this year to be an absolute shell of himself. So it just, it makes no sense. It's all about the name. Yeah. And pretty much Tobias doesn't have that name, but I, like I say, this could be the year though. Solid. I, I think if they're competitive, this, this could be the year Tobias Harris finally gets that all-star nod. Well, we'll see. And maybe, maybe they'll kind of sit. You can well. tell. You could tell in the New York game that he definitely took the Julius Randle thing still to heart from last year. What was the Julius Randle thing? That Julius Randle made the all-star team and he didn't. I remember oh, yeah, yeah. last year when uh, Tobias Harris had the I'm an effing all-star game. Oh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, I, I think yeah, we. I think he's that. still holding a bit of a grudge on Tuesday. Well, that's good. Like, you want the guy to have a chip on his shoulder. Shoot, I mean, he maybe should have made it over Ben Simmons too, but. Uh, the, we'll stop that. No, <laughs> nah, come on. Ben, Ben. All right, I'm not. I don't want to get into it. Like you said, it's the name. It's the name. <laughs> it is the name. It's it. It's it's all about you know the, the name and the the popularity. Tobias doesn't have that popularity, even though coaches basically got Ben Simmons in there. He fell out of favor with that voting, but Tobias Harris was never going to get that voting because he has this narrative around him that it's boring and you know whatever. It doesn't matter. He's quietly solid. And I'm actually intrigued with the Sixers, even though they might be a boring team. If Ben Simmons isn't playing and Joel Embiid's not playing, I'd like to see Tobias Harris kind of go back to those Clippers days where it's Doc Rivers coaching. Tobias is kind of the focal point of the team and, you know, kind of see what they get from that. Let Toby eat. Let Toby eat. So, (laughs) So maybe the Sixers let Joel Embiid sit against Detroit. Um Obviously, if if they don't and the Sixers take on a loss, that would be delete your Twitters. <laughs> delete your Twitters if that happens. Doomsday Hopefully, Sixers Twitters back in full form. Oh my god, yeah. I mean, they were. It was uh, Friday night. Some of the already. The t- some of the takes Tuesday night were rough to say the least. Yeah. Well, I mean, like I said, it it started on Friday because of that. You know, dropping yeah. that fourth quarter game people people started leaving early it was over it was like oh man we're, we're already back to that but we'll see how everything plays out on thursday and then we will revisit the uh we'll call this the joel Embiid knee saga 
and we'll see how everything plays out. <laughs> Can well, anything ever just be normal with this team? No, never, <laughs> never, ever. This is this is one of the strangest teams. This is the strangest team in the NBA by far. No, but no. we will talk after. I guess we'll we'll come back after a few games, kind of see how everything plays out, and uh, we'll talk about whatever else is strange going on in the soap opera that is the Philadelphia 76ers. And Kev, drop your Twitter handle. At Kevin MCC NBA. And mine is at Jay Grasso underscore. And this is another episode of the Believe in 76ers podcast presented by Bet Thanks for tuning in. to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube